Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out on the jukebox singing Honk, it's all women I was watching the... They were kind of doing a, a live stream from Tipitina's in New Orleans with a bunch of former songs that artists had played. It was like Fats Domino and Professor Longhair and Dumpster Funk and folks like The Meters, Galactic. Greg Allman did one, Widespread Panic. Anyway, what is your favorite venue? Could be your hometown, another place you've been, like a place you've gone to see a lot of shows. Jonathan, what? Definitely the Troubadour. Like, done. Yeah. It's just, it's so historic. It's cool. It's fun. I just like hanging out there. I wish they had the front bar open all the time. They should have that front bar open. Troubadour, if you're listening, open your bar. When shit comes back, you'll be making money all day, every day. People come in there to drink. Don't let them back to the back part. Just, I want to sit in that bar and drink anyway. I mean, I just want to drink, but like, you know, it's like, a fun front bar. It's a yeah. great front bar. And like, so if they had that, I just like being there. Because I don't have an absolute favorite. My favorite place we ever played was Sassafras, where we played mm. in a little balcony, little balcony, like ten feet above the bar, overlooking the bar. It's, it was just so unique. I've never seen anything like that. It was so fun because you could also be super loud, and the music didn't just blast people's ears out. You know, you could really have a presence up there. That's funny. Also, uh, we should say we, we played in a band together. It was called For the Kings. You can listen to our music on. Spotify, iTunes, wherever. Um, that's for the Kings. <laughs> F-O-R. <laughs> F-O-R. My, my favorite venue is probably, I mean, it's hard to beat the Troubadour, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with the Paradise Rock Club in Boston. I, I was a bouncer there for three years in college. It's kind of a historic rock club. Saw a lot of great shows in the front, mostly in the back room, but the front room had some good music in there sometimes as well. Other than that, the Red Rocks is, you know, and to, uh, one, to one honorable mention is uh, a place that's now uh, L.A. It was a classic place, but now it's a bank. Is the Derby in Los Feliz? Did you guys mm. ever go there? Never went there. Yeah, the one Never right there on the corner. Like, yeah, on the corner of Hillhurst. I yeah, think. I played my first gig in L.A. There is it. Wasn't it cool with like those rafters and kind of like it almost felt like it was. Because um, then there was the of, Brown Derby. That was a different place. <laughs> yeah, no, no there was. The no, it was, da- it was down because people used. To, I used to get them confused. It, it's actually a more. And it was down like on Hollywood, like well, for, yeah. The, in, I think in the town. and the Derby, like I think they talked about it in like Swingers, and maybe right. they even went there. They, I think they did at the beginning. Um, no, it was a, it was a it was a great location, but now it's a Chase Bank. <laughs> Sweet, still a great location for a bank. <laughs> so, any music you guys listened to this week, just off the cuff, that you hadn't heard in a while, or new music that you liked? Give me a or second. didn't like. There's a song. Uh, I listened to If You Could Read My Mind a couple of times for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, but there's a song by a band from Austin called... I kept wanting to say Mike and the Mechanics. It's not Mike and the Mechanics. It's Mike and the Moon Boys. <laughs> <laughs> but they're a band from Austin, and it's a really kind of classic country band, and there's a song they have called uh, Steak Night at the Prairie Rose. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it resonates with, with everybody as much as it does me, but it just basically describes my childhood. So much that I, I can't really listen. It makes me think of my dad so much. I can't focus on it. It's I I'll, I'll lose my. It's exactly a perfect description of my childhood with my dad. Huh. So Mike and the Moon Pies, Mike steak and the Moon Pies, night. Steak Night 
at the Prairie Rose. Steak he, basically, the guy, the guy going, <laughs> nice. it's about a guy going out to hear the band uh, with his dad at the local bar, and the ball game's on, and he gets a Coke, and his dad gets a beer, and he's like, yeah, I'll see you playing on that stage one day. And then the next time, it's just kind of more of the same, but it's just like, you know, it's, a co- it's like Steak Night at the Prairie Rose, a cover band from 10 to close. It's so on the money. It, it's, see, because I love Merle Haggard and those guys, but, I, you know, I was never in a honky-tonk because my wife kicked me out fucking – Lock me out of the house. Like, I, that's not my story. Yeah. It's a cool story. Not my story. This is like, it's just spot on. It's just a hell of a song. Nice. Neil? Um, well, today I actually listened to the new ACDC Power Up. They have a new album? <laughs> yeah. And it's actually, it's it's very formulaic. It sounds like old ACDC. Like, there's, I listened to two songs. It sounds good. I mean, it sounds like Highway to Hell or Back in Black. And they're older. I've listened to a couple, a lot of artists are doing like reissues and whatnot. The Black Keys are doing a deluxe version of Brothers. They released a, not hidden or lost, but a, an extra track from Brothers. It's instrumental. Oh, Super nice. cool. Love that album. And uh, and Wilco is doing a deluxe Summer Teeth. And uh, I've listened to some of that. They did some of their demos. I'm paraphrasing, but I'd seen an interview or read about an interview with Angus Young. And the, the interviewer was like, well, how do you respond to people who say you've made the same record 10 times? He's like, that's not true. We've made the same record eight times. <laughs> so I think they're well aware of the fact that they're like, we're ACDC. We're just going to fucking <laughs> there be ACDC. I listened to this guy, Nick Hakeem, who released an album called Will This Make Me Good? It's kind of like a modern creative take on R&B. Maybe the best song on the album is Q-A-D-I-R. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Kadir. Oh, I'll try. I would, say, I would say that would be a success. Uh, it's a very good vibe. And he, he's got something cool that he's he's developing. I'm interested to see if he can pair that with the songs like moving forward. The other <laughs> piece of music I listened to was uh, Ray LaMontagne's new album, which is called oh. Monovision, which was released, I think, earlier this year. And he's hit or miss, but I, I got to say, I... I always kind of, I'm a sucker for his like. Me too, man. Dulcet, like you know Van what it is. Morrison. You know what it is. Neil, I hate to steal it from you, but what what Josh loves about Ray LaMontagne's voice? The smoky yeah. vocals. <laughs> it's totally yeah, the smoky it, vocals. It's smoky, yeah. Oh, sure. it's definitely smoky. And, uh, and on that note, <laughs> uh, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. And this week, we will be talking about a singer songwriter from the late 60s, early 70s, uh, Mr. Gordon Lightfoot and his 1970 uh, hit, If You Could Read My Mind. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old Jonathan, why did you pick this song? Well, I've always thought it was a, a really good song. And the other day I was actually watching a Gordon Lightfoot documentary I fell asleep during it. <laughs> yeah, it's called if if you could read my mind, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I but I woke up and that song was playing and I was just like this is just like pure songwriting. You know, this this not even about even the production. It's just the raw ability and talent of someone to relay their experience of something to other people. And it just kind of struck me, you know, like a flaming sword might strike somebody or something 
And um, yeah, yeah. I thought it was really cool. I just thought it was a phenomenal song. I feel like it's a song that um, folks don't really bring up a lot. So I figured I'd throw it out there. When you said you wanted to do this song, I originally was like, I don't think I know that one. And you were like, I think you do. And then I listened to it. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this song. And the one thing about this song, without listening to it all week, it's just the first line. The first line is so epic that it's one of the only songs I can think about that I really just know this song by the first. If you could read my mind, love. Easy lounge singer. That is what I take. <laughs> no, that, that, was more, that was a little more. That was a little more That was a little more Dracula. Sorry, if you could read <laughs> my mind. More, my, I'm getting my Gary Oldman on. Yes, yes. Similarly, at first when you when you're like, let's do this song, I was like, what the fuck, Gordon Lightfoot? <laughs> Obviously, I I know him and like some of his stuff. I didn't know the title. As soon as I put it on, I was like, God, what a good pick. This <laughs> song is so good. It's a slow burn, and it's man. just it's it's not even a. The lyrics are fantastic, but it's all about that refrain. And it doesn't even have really a chorus. It's just the refrain and that melody that just swoops in. Without that, I guess you'd call it a refrain, yeah? You know, just where that, that great melody where he keeps repeating. I guess you'd call it the chorus. The, the, descend, the descending part? The yeah. epic part. The part da, that. Da, da, when da, you da. reach the part, when the, the heartache comes. comes. And the hero. Yeah. yeah, you could sing anything under that. You could sing like, we're doing a podcast <laughs> and the pod's about rock and roll. And you'd be like, damn. That's that brilliant. Pod, that should be our theme pod song. pod did give rock. I'm not really sure that I like this song. I don't dislike it, and I do think it's a good song. I, I think that songwriting is unassailable, but I don't really enjoy listening to it i enjoy i god i uh it's one of my new favorite songs i (laughs) (laughs) i i really just think it's it's so beautiful like there's just certain parts that just grab you like i played it for my boss and he was the same he's like i don't know that song and then he put it on he's like oh my god (laughs) it's just oh god it's one of those songs that just takes, (laughs) takes me back um, um, but he's he's a real sucker for like old nostalgic rock songs. Or this isn't rock per se. This is easy easy listening. Josh, if I had to venture a guess, I and I think I feel like I can understand what you're saying, in spite of the fact like you know, it's amazing. And let's be clear, I mean I do like hearing it. It's a song I would absolutely put on. His voice is so smooth and non-threatening. I wonder if that his voice is it, it's just so clear. There's two ways you can take this song. You can you can listen to it through the lens of a cheesy '70s easy listening, or you can listen to it of the lens of a beautiful songwriter like pouring his heart out. It just depends on where you're coming from when you turn it on. Let's just move into the songwriting then, because that's that's where we're heading here, and that's what I want to talk about. It was hard to pinpoint. I don't necessarily love his voice. The verse is just so poetic. Less Wordsworth, more like Tennyson, without like all the religion. It takes me to like uh, like 1850s British poetry. It feels like he was writing, and, and which is super impressive because it is he is like a poet in this song. I just don't like his voice really. But in terms of songwriting, the lyric is, as I said, unassailable. And the melody, that change that he does in the middle of, that's like the first time that that ever, like he kind of created a change there, which is super impressive. I don't necessarily love it, but he created something it feels like that just, even when I was trying to play it this week, I can never really just like naturally go where he goes there. 
melodically, which is crazy. It's extraordinary. And I'm glad you pointed that out. It's almost like he invents some kind of new technology in songwriting. Yeah. It's like, whoa, dude, what, what, what was that? And it, it's nothing crazy with effects or uh, production. It's just sheer imagination. It's just something I think is definitely worth being recognized and being pointed out as um, really profound. And, and, and you can tell it's profound by how it reverberates through other songwriters like Dylan yeah, and sure. Johnny Cash. Well, I mean, it's, it's epic. But it's, it's just profa- less profound and more just beautiful. It's just don't, something don't, that like don't, it's just, cri- don't critique my critique. Yeah, of course, sure, sure. And it's just so unnatural. Well, it's just honestly. it's like, such profound, a great melody profound. that it was clearly stolen. I'm sure you guys know for uh, Whitney Houston's oh, The Greatest oh, Love oh, of oh. All. That was I was I was saving that for Under the Influence. Well, we can't. We got to talk about that in songwriting. No, no, since you brought it up, by all means, go ahead. Um, no, just I mean because even throughout the week, listening or playing it in my mind every i'm singing it and then i'm like i decided long, long ago, ago never, never to, to walk, walk in anyone's, anyone's shadow, shadow. right <laughs> so, but no it's a it's a clear easy whitney. so whitney <laughs> easy whitney <laughs> never take away josh's dignity <laughs> i think about it that, that's one little segment of that song that became a whole hit for whitney houston the fact that like there was a lawsuit but then gordon uh, was such a good guy that he he dropped the lawsuit because he felt like it was affecting Whitney's uh, career. There was much. a lawsuit. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, no, he dropped it because he didn't want. He was like, "I'm. I don't want to affect her. She's a great singer." Like, and then they settled out of court with the actual songwriter. It's just about that refrain, man. It's it's so it's such a good change. And I will never be set free as long as I'm a ghost. You can't see. It's clear. It, like you said, new technology. <laughs> on this uh, documentary he's rolling around like Toronto and there's like these uh, billboards up of Drake and stuff and he's like he's like man I put on that Drake album and he's like it was immediately clear why he's so successful he's like it's immediately clear why he's so popular and he was just like had this like admiration for a dude like Drake and watching the documentary it just made me realize besides being one of the most extraordinary songwriters ever He's just a fucking super cool guy. That's great that he understands. Because he, he probably listened to it and he's like... Because he, you can tell he's mm. such a master of songwriting. Absolutely. Like it's almost like a, a PhD in songwriting when That's you it. listen to the song. It's like, oh, so this guy probably writes a lot of songs that you never want to hear. But that if you listen to them, you would respect them. Well, I mean, he's then, one of the most successful songwriters of all time. So pe- some well, people I mean, want to hear him. You like, might not want to. Well, well, but no, he's I mean, I, I, don't. I mean, like, you know, he has Sundown, and he has Edmund Fitzgerald, which I don't really like. I mean, I, I respect it, but I don't need to listen to it again. Sundown is probably my favorite song of his, but this song, I find it to be, and other than the, like, melodic part, just the words almost takes you back to, like, the 1500, like, almost, like, back to, like, the 15. It make, I, and that may be his voice a well, little bit. Well, it's the words, too, where he's talking about fortress and a ghost. And well, fortress like, and ghost, but also his words. It's very haunting. The whole thing is yeah, very well, haunting. All, his, all his voice, songs the are, echo, yeah. like, the, the, the flip rays. And we'll get into music in a little bit, but, like, it just takes me back to, like, when I was in college and I was learning about, like, old English poetry. And this reminds me of that in some weird way of, like, this pre, like, pan-religion like waking up in a forest in Britain and and you know <laughs> thinking of a castle and ghosts. And I must keep saying it. Just that refrain is without that, it would just be another song. I feel like. 
how it starts out. It starts out like any Gordon Lightfoot or like Jim Croce or anything from that era. It just starts out, you're like, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, yeah, and then read my mind, yeah, and then <laughs> you're just like, oh man, it just gra- it grabs you so tightly there. There aren't many people who can stand out just with a chord change or just with a, a yeah. melody like well, that. The it's, song is known, it's in the key, key of A, and it uses a subtonic chord. He's dropping down to the seven. That mean, I well, don't know tonic, that tonic is the root. Subtonic just means below the root. They're probably talking about the flattened seven. When we're talking about a refrain, a refrain usually means like a vocal section that is repetitive. You're talking about a, a musical refrain that is just him changing into a different chord yeah, progression. Because, because there isn't necessarily a chorus. He just goes into this sweet change whenever he wants, and then he'll double it up and triple it up. There isn't necessarily a chorus. He repeats some different lines, but it's just a part. There's almost two different parts. There's the parts where he's kind of talk singing, and then there's a the part where he's blowing your mind. It's definitely, like I said, something very unique and something very special. And even before I really thought about the song, I realized it had made an impression on me just hearing it. You know, I was always like, wow, man, that's... That's some serious songwriting. That's not, you know, we're meeting, we're going to meet at 11 a.m. on Tuesday and write a song. This is like, this is stroke of genius. And there, there's great lyrics. It's a great song, but I feel like the whole thing is just building up to, and I just can't get it back. Like, that is really where he puts the heart or the, the sword through your heart. he said the song is about a divorce he was going through which is pretty obvious it's about a breakup mm-hmm. there's no use of parsing what exactly the yeah, song what is, is he about. talking about it, it, but <laughs> it, it, it's a very it, the imagery he creates I almost feel like he's trying too hard what do you mean in some of these lyrics yeah. to me it sounds effortless ah. yeah it does sound effortless I think it was a stroke of genius yeah it doesn't sound like he's trying at all but I love the part where he's like when um, you reach the part where the heartache comes the hero would be me, but heroes often fail, and you won't, and you won't. I <laughs> know <laughs> you're not your. And you won't read. I, I still. You won't read that book again. And you won't again. read that book again because the ending is just too hard to take. That's a great I, line. That's an amazing yeah, line. That's one of my other favorite. What do you mean? Line. But it's just, it's like, so I sad. I feel like he's trying to. I feel like some of the lines are trying too hard. It's 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 very good, but I feel like some of it's trying too hard. Um, I'm I'm okay with you feeling that way. <laughs> I'm not asking if you're okay. No, no. Well, that was, that was one that of my I, favorite. I, to me, it just sounds. Like, I don't. There, it sounds like no. I mean, it's yeah, wordy. It sounds effortless. It's to me wordy. Too. If, I, if, I if, that's your, we'll, if that's what you're getting, we'll at. go. We'll go two to one on that. You know, there's lots of words and syllables. So to get into the wordy thing, like I always think that Bruce Springsteen is a little verbose. I would agree with I that. I think this is. I don't think this is too verbose. Okay. Okay. I think that the poetic nature of it is a little. This is a poem that he's singing. And I think the most impressive part about it is that he basically creates this melodic change that is so nasty and so good and so beautiful that it it, it makes the song. Okay. Josh talking shit about Bruce Springsteen on the pod check. (laughs) We've hit our quota. Carry on, Jonathan. The words and the lyrics that stick out in the musical, in this, in this refrain, are just amazing. I mean, the, 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 like the ones that he kind of like 
you know, like the thing about the hero would be me, but heroes often fail. Like the thing about it is, is it's it's a, and I hear what you're saying about the whole like medieval imagery, but then it also pulls it into like the present, the pragmatic, the real world, well, like America and pragmatic. But the, the best, one of the best parts is where he's like, but let's be real. Exactly. But let's be real. <laughs> No, That's no. the one part where, like, he breaks the. I the, definitely the fourth camera. I definitely respect. Wall. I mean, there's there's so many lines in here that are just like math nasty. Oh. But I do think there are other lines where he's trying too hard. And I also love the fact, Jonathan, like you just pointed out, that he does bring that kind of middle middle ages like feel into modern but, day. Like, but he's 60s, also talking 70s. about a movie script. You know, he yeah. he like he he's mixing so many cool things about pop culture and history and love lost. It's great. Well, so all these things that we're talking about are hinting toward a daydream or a fantasy of what you wish could be, and then it always comes back to what really is. And that's the genius like a, of the song, man. Like, it shows you both sides of it. Like a dreamscape? Well, no, not a dreamscape. I, not a dreamscape. I, I, that's what I would say. I would say this feels like it, it should be more dreamy, but if we want to move into the music a little bit, it's not. It's D- more serious than it doesn't create a dreamscape. It didn't it need to. A po- it, it's a poem. And it has these nice musical flourishes in there, but it's not a it's not dreamy. He doesn't create a dream. It's very real, and that makes sense. If if, if this is about a divorce, it's very raw. You can tell that the emotions he's trying to get at are very raw. So okay, let's take the dream. Let, let, let's take dream about. He creates a vision. He creates a vision of what could have been, and what was, but that is no longer. And that's and you get both sides of it in this song. Oh, I disagree with that. I think he creates a vision of what. He, I feel like this is more regret than what he wanted it to be. He never. Well, had, no, he, th- but go, there's just little parts where like the the hero would be me, but then he he obviously fails, and that's why she can't read the book again because the ending is so heartbreaking. Here you go, Josh. It's a fucking tragedy. That's the word you're looking for. I think yes, it's yes, it's, yes. it's it's Shakespeare and modern and divorce and lamenting. Sure. I don't know if there's regret, but there's it's a there's a, it's a lament. It is a tragedy. That, that is why the song is very impressive. But I just, I don't know, for some reason, I don't necessarily want to or need to hear the song again. It's one of my new favorite songs. I'll always love this song from this day forward. And just to kind of tie a bow on the songwriting, Dylan presented him with the Canadian Juno Award and summed up Lightfoot's obsessively crafted song, saying that when he heard one, he wanted it to last forever. So from Dylan... If you can get that kind of accolades from Dylan, you're you're doing something right. The best line has to be the the first two. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. It's very simple. It really sets the scene for what he's about to do so well. Well, just and in a relationship, you always it's such a cool way to write a song or just bring up the fact that you know if you're with a girl and you got you're you're having problems, like if you could tell what she's thinking. Your, your perspective would change immediately. And if she could tell what you actually had in your heart, but it never comes out, that's where he's talking about, I, you know, I don't even recognize myself. I, I just can't get yeah. it back. Like I, don't, uh, like, I don't know what to do. There's nothing that can be done. But if you could come inside my head, you would know how much I love you. But I, there's, that's impossible. So I'll write this song and we'll move on with our lives. <laughs> I mean, that, that part about, you know, the ghost is me and I will never be set free as long as I'm a ghost that you can't see. It's like, oh, yeah. it's just like the idea of like someone you love just 
you not being Ooh, even in their I, thoughts or looking at you or you even being a, a consideration. Yeah, I mean, and just the way he's that he's like, I never thought I could act this way. Like, you're, you're, see, basically, I, he's on the outside I of himself. I thought lyrically that that was him overreaching a little bit, and I, I think the melody makes that. Well, thanks for interrupting is. my point there. No, I, I hear you. Maybe, maybe he was overreaching, but that just shows that that brings out the the nature of what he's trying to say in the song, where he just can't get it back. He can't. He, he didn't think he could act this way, and he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. But this thing that he held so close to his heart is gone. And, and to be fair, man, this is written in '69. That's like you'd be like, he's cool, but his collar's a little too big. It's like it's fucking '69, <laughs> man. Like, you know, I mean, the fact that it's even relevant and still feels like an advancement in songwriting 50 years later is astounding. There aren't many songs like that. In a way, that could be the pinnacle of songwriting because I think since then the attention span has has decreased and and yeah. people aren't going to. People don't fucking just read poetry and walk around in nature anymore. They're on their fucking devices all the time. They're watching like, Cobra Kai. They're watching Cobra Kai. Yeah. <laughs> they're wasting their goddamn time watching you Cobra know, so Kai. Like, this, this is when this is when one of the things that I found in this song that again I think I don't like this song just because I don't like his voice, but because I do enjoy some of the musical flourishes are really cool and really accompany what he's doing well. And they're well executed, and they're like minimal. The little descending thing that. Yeah, the strings, the, the arrangements. And I feel like you've heard that in so many songs since then. Mm-hmm. Like that exact yeah, well, yeah. pattern. And I'm not sure. A, a well executed then. descending melody is is great. If it's put together perfectly, it's great. Like some people, you you can use it a lot and it not work out. But this is a perfect uh, example of it. And what's crazy is um, the recording that we hear, not the strings, but the fundamental parts. That is the first time the band had ever played it, like ever. But was it was it a band? It sounds like two. It sounds like two guitars, a bass, and then they put on the strings. Well, there's no drums. There's no drums at all. No, I didn't hear any. Well, whatever, whoever, whoever it is, like when they, what you hear is the first time it they had ever played the song. That's another thing that you can tell, like to your point of that it was effortless. This is another. It's one of the songs you can't really screw up. You can only make better. And I feel like they did. I love the accompanying guitar that sounds so much like Croce or like stuff in acoustic van morrison brown eyed girl just like that perfect someone who's not trying to show off but just playing classy great licks over that don't stand out but just support such a great song all right this week we want to give a shout out to our friends from the band bad business who have their own podcast called imbibe the vibe check it out hey all you pod gave rock and roll to you fans this is alex and jackson from the imbibe the vibe podcast have you ever wondered what should i drink while enjoying a fine piece of music we did and we made a show about it we take really fancy cocktails and mix them with cool tunes and we also teach you how to mix those fancy drinks so you can do them at home check us out wherever your pods are served apple Podcasts, spotify and remember like we say have fun have out fun there. out there on the documentary that was i think that was like his first major label release and uh they put it out 
They put out the album with, with some other single, and it, it, nothing happened. Like, it didn't go anywhere. And then they released this tune as a single, and some DJ in Seattle got into it, and then he, he spread it and played it and became really big. And the label called him and was like, we want to change the name of the album to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They changed the name of the album. If I could read the, your mind, if you could read my mind, and um. And what was it called at first? Let me sit you down, young stranger, or something <laughs> yeah, like that. I don't know. It was called "Sit Down, Young Stranger." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so Lightfoot's like, "All right, so I'm." I, I hopped on the plane. He's like, "I was all fucking aggravated, being super Mister like hoity-toity artist. You can't change a word of my." Fucking work, you know. And he goes to L.A. and he sits down. Yeah, got, it's and, all recorded here. Yeah, and it was so funny because he's like, "What's it gonna matter if we change the name of the record?" And he said the executive looked at me and he's like, "Algebraically speaking, Lightfoot, it's the difference between X and seven X." And he's like, <laughs> and "He's like, I can understand that." that yeah, just, he's like, "Algebraically speaking, Lightfoot." And and he's well, like, and he's like, in five weeks later, we had sold eight hundred thousand copies. Well, I I love just a quick point. I love that Gordon Lightfoot. It, it almost sounds like some kind of like acoustic songwriting superhero. Like, you know what I mean? Well, and, and of course, Gordon he's Canadian. Lightfoot. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, he sounds so British, but like, of course, he's Canadian. The vocal, it sounds so much like Croce, which I would say like Croce sounds like him because Croce came after him. Well, no, they're both late sixties, early seventies. I think no, it's early sixties, early seventies. No, well, this song came out in nineteen seventy. Yeah, but January. Croce, Cro- Croce was singing and playing in the late sixties. Like, was he? Yeah, I, I always think of Croce as a mid seventies. No, I think guy. he he his most popular album was seventy two, but I don't think. I, I would much rather listen. Basically, to I looked at it because I, I was thinking the same thing, and I was like, what? "Oh, they're they're just." Yes. I, hold on. I would much rather rather uh, listen to any Jim Croce song. Okay, hold on. Yeah, real, real, first of all, I think what you're hearing that the commonality is the weight of the mustache on their upper lip. Well, no, that it's just the like, tone of the voice is what I'm talking about. I know, it's caused about. by yes. the weight of their mustaches. And they're so <laughs> I just said, you know, I've said on this pod, this is one of my new favorite songs, but if I had to choose, if I was going to a desert island, I would take Croce a hundred times out of Hold on, yeah. hold on. You talk about some bad, bad Leroy Brown and some time in a bottle over this? Time in a bottle? Fuck yeah. Time over this? Operator Photographs over this. and memories. Over this? Operator. Um, yes. Uh, over yeah. this? And All of those songs we just um, said. I got a Croce. name. I got a name. Yes. What? All Croce. I feel like Croce was like an evolution of this guy that was just better. No way. Um, I, also, my, my favorite song is, is Sundown. I, I, I Look, I appreciate and respect the songwriting in this. I like the musical flourishes. I think the most impressive part of this song is the the, melo- the melody and right. the way that that, that melodic That's thing That's every Beatles song, so like, what's your point? Happen. And, well, I mean... Yeah, it is. It's like it's it's like oh, the most impressive part of a Ferrari is the engine. It's like yeah, it's fucking extraordinary. But I enjoy the content of some Beatles songs more than I do this. I, I don't necessarily need to listen to a song about a guy's divorce uh, that often. Well, I mean, you what? Know? I mean, so- I, this song is very particular in what it's about. Jonathan, I'd rather hear the Whitney Houston song. Oh God, Jonathan, how would why would you take him over Croce? Like Croce has so many songs like we just named five or six that i love and I, there, there's i could name another 10 gordon lightfoot there's this and i love that song early morning rain sundown. and uh, sundown yeah sundown, sundown you better take <laughs> yeah so great okay okay that yes okay so i can name a handful of lightfoot songs but 
there's a good greatest hits of Crochi. Well, the reason why I would say that is because I feel like I'd rather hear a couple songs that are more profound. I feel like Croce's great, but I feel like Croce's more run-of-the-mill. I don't think he does but anything listen, extraordinary. Listen, Time in a Bottle is a perfect comp for this song because it's it's just as good as this song. It's even better the way he does the hot bacon cold lettuce where he's like, it's it's all minor, and then he's like, um, but I never thought there would be enough time to do the things that you want to do once you find them. It's That song's so good, man. Like yeah, It's know. just as good as this song. No, and I, I mean, Got a Name is amazing. Yeah, for me it's and not, yeah, No, no, like the Bad Bad Leroy Brown and some of the other ones, he's got some cheesy stuff, but... I, did, I think they're I think they're a perfect comp just because the tone of the voices are so similar to him and Croce. When I was listening to this song, I was like, I wish I was listening to a Jim Croce song. That's that was my feeling. I wish I was listening to Jim Croce sing this. Yeah, I mean, I think for me with Croce, it's just like it's good, but like I don't think he's even a standout among his peers. I mean, when you have like Elton John's and like all the guys around him, like I don't feel like. Maybe he has more songs that I may or may not like. See, time in a bottle gives me that same issue that Josh has with the the working too hard. Like if I could have, I mean, to me that's way too sappy. Uh, time in a bottle was 1978, so it was way after this. Oh, 78. There's a lot of good songs between 69 and 78 that I like more than time in a bottle. Wrong. Time in a bottle by Jim Croce was released in 1972. Yeah, I think what this song does for me is it combines like Derek, uh, Dylan level lyrics with like Elton John level melodies. And I can't think of anyone else who does that. So let's take this Dylan song, Don't, Don't Take Twice, which I think is a universal just breakup song. Whether you're 13, 20, or 80. This song is very divorce-centric. It is not a universal, like, it's not like that. It, it's universal in just the, the parts that I was mentioning. I just can't get it back, and, you know, I don't recognize myself and all that. But, and it's different from Don't Think Twice. Don't Think Twice is just like, fuck you, I'm going to be fine. Whatever. You, <laughs> you know, you kind of wasted my time, but that's all right. Um, and in this, he's like we both must move on because we cannot find what we had. It's heartbreak. But it's heartbreak. And like you just said, it's more like we have to move on because we're older and like have kids and we're divorced. It's a very specific genre of song. It is a divorce. It's a divorce, but not in the sense of, of in the legal sense. I mean, cause you know, if you're in a, in a relationship that's eight or nine years or whatever, like, if this shit ends, it feels like a divorce. And so it's yeah, to your fair. So it's 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 complex. It's not like, oh, I lost my baby. It's like, oh, I lost my baby, but I lost her years ago and we don't even know who we are anymore. And like and what's going life, on? Yeah. yeah, it's very complex. Yeah. It's complex. The divorce thing, like when I looked at you know, read that it was about divorce, I was like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. That contextualizes the song. But I didn't immediately think oh this is about a kramer versus kramer divorce you know, like, <laughs> kramer versus it was kramer. it was just about heartbreak until i read that and now it's about divorce the things he's singing about i've felt many times in relationships and i've never been divorced yeah i think maybe josh the word that you're kind of suggesting is, is very mature it's not teenage yes. it's not teenage but it's it's very it has all the complexities of relationships between people there are consequences 
consequences, and you there are things. There are consequences, and there are things that for some reason don't work, and neither one of you can figure out why. And that's I, the most. And both of you failed, and one of you thinks that it's all the other one that failed. Or, yeah, or, or you just don't know what happened. It's just a mystery. It's just, it, it becomes like the fog of war. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> You don't. Yeah. You don't even know what happened. So let let's talk, Jonathan. What's your favorite part of the song? It's hard because you kind of have four parts. You have the beginning, then you have where it starts to ascend, then you have the descending part, and then you have where it kind of encapsulates it all. I would say when it when it gets when it leads to the the, the I guess the part right before it builds, um, like where it's like um, in a castle dark or a fortress strong with chains of. But that's great. But then it come the way it comes down is also brilliant. But I'd probably say that that ascending part just yeah. after the intro. I think it all builds to I just can't get it back. You can tell the way he sings that line like it's a punctuation point yeah. on the song. I just can't get it I agree back. With that, yeah, I like what you're talking about. I mean, yeah, that melodic change you're talking about it's so unique. From there, we'll go into our under the cover section, which is. This song is one of the most covered songs of all time. So, Johnny, did you listen to any covers? Yeah, the Johnny Cash is cool. You know, it's like his, with his age and his voice, it's definitely, uh, it it's changes. Heavy. It changes it. Yeah. I mean, like, you listen to it, you're like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, take a couple breaths and be like, yeah. It's mm, a, it's a, Johnny. It's a, it, it kind of tugs yeah. at your soul there. Uh, it, it, it turns the song into like one of heavy regret of, of looking back on your life and being like, I oof, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want some things back that I can't get. Yeah, um, I, I listened to that. I wasn't a huge fan of the Johnny Cash version. I mean, it's it's good. You can you can feel the pain. I listened to a Neil Young. Uh, he did an album in 2014 of all covers of some of his favorite artists. And this version is it's cool, but it sounds like it was done on like a voice recorder. It's just cool to hear him sing it. There's nothing special about it. But then there was also. Uh, Viola Willis made it a dance <laughs> song in 1980, which she surprisingly yes, makes it work. Like it obviously, it's the 80s. It's cheesy. She took a a Canadian singer songwriter love song about divorce and tried to make it like a dance song. That and that speaks to the power of that refrain and chorus. Just because with a beat behind, it, it's like well, it takes it to into Whitney, but fucking <laughs> right. <laughs> There was also a, a cover that was done in a disco style for the movie 54, Studio 54 in like 1998 by um, Amber, Jocelyn, Enriquez, and Ultra Nate. Or Nate, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> or Nate, I don't know. <laughs> Ultra Nate. Ultra Nate or Ultra Nate. I'm going to go with Ultra Nate. Is it Ultra Nate or Ultra Nate? There's a little accent over the E. Oh. Ultra Nate. But that one is such house music version of the song. And it's pretty hilarious. I, I enjoy the Johnny Cash. I enjoy all the covers of this song. I mean, I think this song is very well done. And even just like playing it on an acoustic guitar, if you pick it up and sing it, 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 it makes sense. And you, and you enjoy doing it. Even the, even the melodic change we're talking about, I mean, it's just it's just going from one to four to five, and he just does it in a way that's so that, that And see, that to me, genius is not someone doing something you can't do. It's someone doing something you could do, but you never That you do every of. day. Right, yeah, that you that never... You do every day. To me, that's genius. Yeah. That, that, that's, the, that's the beauty of music, is that you can write something original 
just based on but, a couple of chords. Yeah, well, yeah. But who and does? It's, that's why it's so so magical. Because so many songs, you're like, God, it sounds so good. And then you sit down to learn it, and you're like, oh. Ooh, flinging. So it's one, four, five? Okay. <laughs> Great. And now I think we move into our Under the Influence. I think we talked about that. Mostly. Influence? Is it just Croce? I mean, it's Croce, yeah. Um, Whitney Houston. <laughs> Whitney Houston and Croce, that's it? Well, I, no, I mean... The only time you're ever going to hear Whitney Houston well, like, and Jim Croce in one fucking sentence. But, but like John Denver, Cat Stevens, that all is very similar. Yeah, know, I mean, he similar. was writing that, that. But as far as Under the Influence, like... I just wanted to point out that no one does anything like this anymore. You do not hear this kind of brilliant songwriting. I think you could throw uh, Elliot Smith in there. I think you could throw sure, Rufus Rainwhite in there. This, no, no. Can you name any I more mean, of his songs than you can Loudon's? No. <laughs> but but so I just mean, just, just pure poetry just and just songwriters that are in this vein. But how do you know you can't even name their songs? But their sound, no, particular, no, is like, just straight I'm sorry, we're just Elliot, Elliot Smith sound. was is cool, was cool, whatever. But it was it was so like people don't do this beautiful like bow tied on it, perfect songwriting anymore. Yeah. Like, there, there's always like a a catch to what they're doing. It's it's sure a, a guy who I don't honestly especially love, but do admire and do respect his ability to kind of seemingly step into other like dimensions. Jeff Buckley. Gets yes gets in there, yep. but there again, I don't really, I never, need, I really never need to hear him. Jeff Buckley is a, is a good comp. I'd rather listen to Tim. What's that? Rather rather listen to his dad. Tim. He's definitely impressive. So okay, so Jonathan, how how does the shoe fit? It, it fits like I feel like almost you know kind of to your point about the the fifteen hundreds and the you know all that middle ages. It fits like a. Um, a, 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 a slipper with a curly toe. No, that's not not that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's it feels like a very for, kind of formal shoe. It's very, but it fits well. I mean, it's definitely it's it, it's something elegant. It's not something to be like worn around casually, but it it, it definitely fits. Yeah, the shoe fits. It, it fits like an old shoe you use for yard work or like tooling around the garage it's like a dad's a divorced dad's old shoe that, that fits like a dream he's been wearing it for fucking the last 20 years it's and the shoe just can't get it back but it still can uh, serve its perfect purpose I would say it fits like, like a velvet slipper for me that's so funny it's so different between all three it's like a velvet slipper it's like this old like fine like feeling thing that I only want to wear for a few steps and now Jonathan is going to play, if you can read my mind, by Gordon Lightfoot. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts would tell. Just like an old time movie. About a ghost and a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet You know that ghost is me And I will never be set free As long as I'm the ghost That you can't see 
If I could read your mind, love What a tale your thoughts would tell Just like a paperback novel The kind that the drugstore sells When you reach the part Where the heartache comes The hero would be me But heroes often fail you won't read that book again Because the ending's just too hard to take I'd walk away like a movie star who gets burned in a three-way trick Enter number two A movie queen to play the scene Of bringing all the good things out in me But for now, love, let's be real I never thought I could act this way And I've gotta say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone And I just can't get it back If you could read my mind, love What a tell my thoughts would tell just like an old time movie About a ghost and a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet But stories always end And if you read between the lines You'll know that I'm just trying understand the feelings that you lack I never thought I could feel this way and I've gotta say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong but the feeling's gone and I just can't get it back The cover you just heard was performed by Jonathan Horton on vocals and guitars. Thank you for listening to Podgave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you listen to your pods. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Rock. Feel free to suggest any songs you think we should discuss in a future episode next week is neil's week so neil what will we be discussing we'll be discussing the classic song from the 70s by bobby womack across 110th street can't wait <laughs>